the U.S. military is preparing for war with China. And when I say that, I don't mean it figuratively. I'm not exaggerating. There have been multiple reports in mainstream media outlets acknowledging that the U.S. military is preparing for war with China and soon, as soon as 2025. I'm going to go through the evidence that shows this and analyze just how dangerous the situation is. I had been planning on writing an article about this, but my friend and colleague, Denny Haifong, wrote a good article and I republished it over at geopoliticaleconomy.com. So the articles that I'll be discussing today, the reports, you can find links to all of those sources in his article, and I will link to that in the description below. So I wanna start this analysis today looking at a terrifying article that was published in the Washington Post, one of the leading newspapers in the United States, and it does not mince words. It says very clearly, title, U.S. General warns troops that war with China is possible in two years. It's from January 27th. I'm just going to read a few of the main points from this article. China could be at war with the United States two years from now, a top Air Force general predicted in a bombastic and unusual memo to troops under his command. The general who wrote this is named Michael Minahan. And he is the head of Air Mobility Command, so he oversees the Air Force's fleet of transport and refueling aircraft. And he warned personnel to speed their preparations for a potential war with China. He said, quote, my gut tells me we will fight in 2025. So he's predicting war in 2025. Minahan then directed airmen who are qualified to use a weapon to, quote, fire a clip into a seven meter target with the full understanding that unrepentant lethality matters most. And then he said, aim for the head. So he is, this is a top general in the Air Force instructing his troops to train to kill Chinese soldiers with unrepentant lethality, aim for the head. This is as clear as it gets that the United States is preparing for war with China. And we've seen other reports suggesting the same thing. The Wall Street Journal published an article in October titled, U.S. Defense Strategy Casts China as Greatest Danger to American Security. I'm just going to read a few quotes from this. The Biden administration unveiled a new defense strategy this is back in October, casting China as the greatest danger to American security and calling for an urgent concerted effort to build the military capabilities to deter Beijing in the decades to come. So it's another way of saying war with China, if not hot war, at the very least cold war with China. And the defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, who we should keep in mind, until he became defense secretary, was on the board of directors of Raytheon, the weapons corporation. He wrote in this defense strategy, quote, the People's Republic of China remains our most consequential strategic competitor for the coming decades. And they note that the Pentagon's national defense strategy is mandated by Congress. And every four years, the Defense Department issues a new one. Back under Donald Trump in 2018, they declared China and Russia to be the main threats to U.S. national security. 
And now the Pentagon is stressing that China is the top threat. The Wall Street Journal pointed out that this national defense strategy came soon after the White House's, the Biden White House's national security strategy, which was released earlier in October. And the theme was that China is the major competitor to the United States. The Pentagon's defense strategy describes Russia as an acute threat, but it suggests that while Russia is a worry, it is a more transitory danger compared to a rising China with a larger economy and growing military. So anyway, so in short, what this says is that the U.S. military has assessed that Russia is a short term threat, but China is the main long term threat. Now, I would also add that China and Russia are strategic partners, they're allies, and they're integrating their economies more and more closely using each other's currency. They're also doing military exercises together. So when we talk about China and Russia, increasingly they're, they're a, a geostrategic, their geostrategic partnership shows that, they're, that if the United States is going to wage war on China, it's going to also be waging war on Russia. I mean, the US is already waging a proxy war on Russia right now in the proxy war in Ukraine. And I've done an, a report showing how the CIA and a NATO European ally are already carrying out sabotage attacks inside Russian territory. So the possibility of this to escalate further into World War III is very dangerous if World War III hasn't already begun. Now, Wall Street Journal pointed, the Wall Street Journal pointed out that the Trump administration's national defense strategy from 2018 presented China and Russia as the two principal threats confronting the U.S., but Biden administration officials said their strategy took the Trump era strategy as a starting point and is giving greater emphasis to China. So, like I said, the, the Pentagon five years ago declared Russia and China to be threats, but now they're saying that China is the top threat, even more than Russia. So that's another article that should be very concerning, but it's going to get even more concerning. I mean, the, the danger that we're talking about here. The Financial Times published an article. This was in January, and it's titled U.S. Military Deepens Ties with Japan and Philippines to Prepare for China Threat. And this once again shows that the U.S. military is preparing for war with China. And it is doing so in collaboration with Japan. And this is, of course, quite scary because Japan colonized China and other parts of, of East Asia. Japan committed genocide. Japan was allied with Nazi Germany. Now it's allied with the United States. And this article notes that the U.S. and Japanese armed forces are rapidly integrating their command structure and scaling up combined operations and as Washington and its Asian allies prepare for a possible conflict with China, such as a war over Taiwan. So the U.S. and Japan are preparing for war against China. And the article notes that the U.S. and Japanese militaries have seen, quote, exponential increases just over the last year. And that is according to Lieutenant General James Bierman, who is the top Marine Corps, U.S. Marine Corps general in Japan. And he said that the U.S. and its allies in Asia are emulating the groundwork that has enabled Western countries to support Ukraine in its proxy war and their proxy war against Russia. 
And here, this top US military general makes a direct parallel between the war that NATO is waging on Russia right now in Ukraine and the war that they plan on waging against China. And they said this, this top Marine Corps official, top Marine Corps general in Japan said, in 2014 and 2015, we prepared for future conflict, training Ukrainians, providing supplies and such. We call that setting the theater and we are setting the theater in Japan, in the Philippines, in other locations. So the U.S. is preparing for war with China just as it was preparing for war with Russia after the U.S.-backed coup in 2014, after the United States overthrew, back this violent coup that overthrew Ukraine's democratically elected government, which had been geopolitically neutral and installed a pro-Western regime. And then Russia annexed Crimea although there was a democratic referendum and even Western polling firms that are anti-Russia admit that over 90% of Crimeans wanted to join the Russian Federation. That was used as an excuse by the West to impose sanctions on Russia and then prepare for the proxy war that we see today. So now that preparation is, is similar to the kind of preparations that the US military is carrying out with its allies in East Asia. At the same time, Japan, the former fascist power that committed genocide and colonized parts of China, the Financial Times notes that Japan is embarking on a radical security policy shift that will include increasing defense spending and deploying missiles capable of hitting Chinese territory. Japan right now is remilitarizing rapidly and it's moving to spend more on its military and engage more military activity than at any time since World War II, since the fascist Japanese empire. And at the same time, we see that the US and Japan are working together to try to surround China with offensive missile systems. This was reported in the Japanese newspaper Nikkei, and this Nikkei journalist named Annie Sharp, he, he noted, the U.S. will establish a network of precision strike missiles along the so-called First Island Chain as part of $27.4 billion in spending to be considered for the Indo-Pacific Theater over the next six years. He reported that in, 20, in, in 2021. So we're talking about from 2022 until 2027, 2028. So in six years, the U.S. is going to spend $27.4 billion dollars to put offensive missiles on the first island chain. I have a map here that includes Japan. It includes the northern part of the Philippines. It includes Taiwan. So the U.S. plan is working with Japan and the Philippines to put offensive missiles in those areas aimed directly at China. These are not defensive anti-missile systems. They are $27 billion worth of offensive missiles preparing for war on China, preparing for bombing mainland China. This is the report in Nikkei titled U.S. to build anti-China missile, anti missile network along first island chain. And I'm going to read the main parts of this article from March 2021. It notes, the U.S. will bolster its conventional deterrence against China, establishing a network of precision strike missiles along the so-called first island chain as part of a $27.4 billion spending package 
This was part of the proposals made by the Pacific Deterrence Initiative, which is part of the U.S. military's Indo-Pacific Command, and it's the plan they submitted to the U.S. Congress. So all of this shows the U.S. preparations for war with China. And here I have the Flickr account of the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command, the U.S. military, and it shows back in February of 2022 that the U.S. military and the Japanese military were carrying out joint military exercises, and this is clearly aimed at China. This was in the Philippine Sea. And you can see ships from the, U the U.S. And, and Japan who are doing these joint military exercises preparing for war on China. This is another photo that shows members of Japan's amphibious rapid development brigade getting on helicopters as part of these joint military exercises between the Japan Ground Self-Defense Force, which is the Japanese military, and the U.S. military. So they are already doing military exercises. They are preparing for war with China. And back in January, the new prime minister of Japan, who's very conservative, very right-wing, and who is viciously anti-China, he visited Washington and met with Biden, and Time Magazine published an article titled, Fumio Kishida travels to the United States as prime minister of a more assertive Japan. When they say more assertive, they mean more aggressive and more anti-China. And this article notes that this was Kishida's first meeting with Biden since December's announcement of Japan's biggest military buildups buildup since World War II. I want to stress that again. I want to repeat this line. In December of 2021, excuse me, in December of 2022, Japan announced its biggest military buildup since World War II, when Japan had a fascist imperial regime and was allied with Nazi Germany and fascist Italy. And not only did the new conservative Japanese prime minister, Kishida, meet with Biden, he also took trips to Britain, France, Italy, and Canada and met with them. And they're going to be holding a G7 summit in Hiroshima, Japan, in May of this year. So all this is preparing for these, these Western imperialist powers and Japan working together to prepare for war on China. And they note that Japan, that Kishida and Biden were discussing Japan's plans to acquire missiles able to strike targets across East Asia. That is, they're discussing plans for the U.S. to provide Japan with missiles to wage war on China. And they also discussed efforts to limit China's, ac limit China's access to advanced technology like semiconductors. So going along with the conventional military war, that the United States and its allies are planning to wage against China. They're already carrying out an economic war. That economic war really started under the Trump administration, and he imposed many sanctions and restrictions on trade, starting a trade war. And the Biden administration has drastically accelerated the economic war against China, imposing sanctions to prevent China from importing semiconductor and advanced microchip technology and computing technology, supercomputing technology, and Japan is joining the United States in this economic war on China as they prepare for military war. And finally, the last report I wanna look at today in this overview from mainstream media outlets showing how the US is preparing for war in China, I wanna look at 
Foreign Policy Magazine, which is the voice of the U.S. foreign policy establishment in Washington. The, you know, it, it represents the kind of bipartisan warmongering orthodoxy in both the Republican and Democratic parties. And this is a series of 12 articles that was published by Foreign Policy in January, and it's titled Lessons for the Next War. And in this article series, they make it very clear when they say the next war, they mean war with China. They say we're already waging a proxy war against Russia in Ukraine, and now we're discussing lessons for the next war on China. And they have 12 contributors here, and they're all hawks, neoconservative figures, including Anders Fogh Rasmussen, who was the former general secretary of NATO, a Danish politician. They also have David Petraeus, who is the former director of the CIA, and he was a top U.S. military general who oversaw the war in Afghanistan. They also have the neoconservative hawk Anne-Marie Slaughter, appropriately named. Yes, Slaughter is her last name, and yes, she is a war hawk. And she was a top State Department official under the Obama administration in the Hillary Clinton State Department. So in this article series, they talk about their plans for waging war against Ukraine. Uh, excuse me, uh, waging war against China. And in this series, the first article is by the former NATO Secretary General Anders Fogh Rasmussen. And he says the title of his article is Turn Taiwan into a Bristling Porcupine, by which he means we need to flood Taiwan with military equipment and weapons and troops. The U.S. already has troops in Taiwan, even though the U.S. claims to recognize Taiwan as part of the People's Republic of China, which international law says the entire world basically recognizes that Taiwan is part of China. And yet the U.S. is militarizing China and preparing for war against it, the U.S. is milita militarizing Taiwan and preparing for war against mainland China. And here, this NATO top NATO chief, former NATO chief, is calling for militarizing Taiwan and turning it into a bristling porcupine against the mainland. And then they talk about uh, have a better sanctions plan. And this is from someone at the the International Institute for Strategic Studies, which is a neoconservative warmongering think tank in Washington funded by Western governments and by the arms industry, by weapons corporations. And it's talking about ways to have better economic warfare against China. And the image makes it clear this is for war, economic war against China. It's a modification of the Chinese flag. And it shows people with, you know, this gas pipeline trying to suffocate China. So the U.S. is trying to suffocate China economically as part of this. They talk about New nuclear policy. They talk about counter Russia's and China's playbook. This is the article by former CIA director David Petraeus talking about ways to wage hybrid war and unconventional war against China and Russia. More about Taiwan. I mean, you get the idea. They talk about information war. They say info war that they're going to wage against China and Russia. So the U.S. empire is planning for war against China, not only Russia, like the proxy where we see now. Germany's foreign minister, Annalena Barbach, has already said very clearly, quote, we are fighting a war against Russia. I did a separate report about that with a video and a podcast, and I will link to it in the description below over at geopoliticaleconomy.com. So uh, this is 
the foreign minister of the most powerful country in Europe, Germany, the de facto leader of the European Union. She said, we are fighting a war against Russia. We can fight this war only together. She called for sending more weapons to Ukraine. Germany has announced that it's going to be sending tanks to Ukraine. So they're already the West is already waging this proxy war against Russia, and they're they're planning for a war against China as well, maybe in as soon as two years in 2025, according to a top U.S. military general. Now, why the U.S. is doing this to prevent challenges to the unipolar imperialist hegemonic order that the United States had constructed after the end of the first Cold War in 1991, with the overthrow of the Soviet Union and counter-revolution, Russia was partially colonized by the United States and NATO. They imposed neoliberal structural adjustment programs and shock therapy, pr mass privatizations of the Russian economy, of its natural resources. And now Russia's independent. The Russian government has reimposed state control over natural resources like gas, like oil, like other strategic minerals and over parts of its banking system. And China, of course, has a socialist model run by the, the Communist Party of China. It refuses to allow Western corporations to exploit Chinese natural resources and land. It refuses to allow them to just have total control over the Chinese economy like the U.S. had over Russia's economy in the 1990s in that moment of unipolar hegemony. And back in 1997, the U.S. imperial strategist Zbigniew Brzezinski made the made Washington's plans very clear. He spelled it out very clearly in his 1997 book, The Grand Chessboard, American Primacy and Its Geostrategic Imperatives. Brzezinski was the a top U.S. imperial strategist, and he was the national security advisor under U.S. President Jimmy Carter. He was the main architect of the U.S. proxy war against the Soviet Union in Afghanistan. And he wrote in this book, right in the introduction, he makes it as clear as day. He says, Eurasia has been the center of world power. And for the first time ever, a non-Eurasian power, that is the United States, has emerged as the key arbiter of Eurasian power relations and the world's paramount power. The U.S. is the world's first truly global power. And whether it, re it prevents the emergence of a dominant and antagonistic Eurasian power remains central to the U.S. capacity to exercise global primacy. He says, the United States must maintain influence over Eurasia. Eurasia is the chessboard on which the struggle for global primacy is played. It is imperative that no Eurasian challenger emerges capable of, the, of dominating Eurasia and thus of challenging the United States. So the U.S. goal was to maintain a unipolar hegemonic order in which the U.S. was the global empire and it could dominate the entire world economically and extract its resources, exploit labor. And the U.S., because the dollar is the global reserve currency, can maintain a massive current account deficit, massive trade deficit, and it can just import and import and import and its market could dominate the global economy and people in the United States would enjoy cheap consumer goods. And the reason that the U.S. could do that without most countries around the world that have massive current account deficits and, and import more than they export, their currencies are devalued against the other currencies like the dollar. And then they can't afford to, to have more and more and more imports because 
they're going to face, you know, hyperinflation like Lebanon, right? But the reason that doesn't happen to the United States is because the U.S. dollar is the global reserve currency. And the reason the U.S. dollar is the global reserve currency is because the U.S. established it that way in 1944 in the Bretton Woods Conference and any other country that tried to challenge the dictatorship of the U.S. dollar was targeted by regime change in war by the United States. But now the situation is different. In Eurasia, there are two powers, China and Russia, challenging U.S. hegemony and their allies. And they're challenging U.S. hegemony militarily, politically, and economically. That's what I report on here regularly at Geopolitical Economy Report. I'm Ben Norton. If you enjoy the work that we do here, please consider supporting us over at geopoliticaleconomy.com support, or you can go to patreon.com slash geopoliticaleconomy and become a patron to help sustain this reporting and analysis we do here. I will be back very soon for more. Thanks a lot for listening or watching. We'll see you next time.